The next women's study is June 2nd, Thursday, June 2nd. So not this Thursday, but next Thursday. We have to, we're moving it to Wednesday. But I already said oh, you're moving it to Wednesday? Just for that night, because June 1st. Okay, so it'll be June 1st. Yep. Good to know. Yep. <clears throat> okay. I was thinking, too, we should get people's emails, and then we can send out emails, like weekly emails, and that way everybody's on the same page. Yeah. So. I have numbers, I don't have emails. Yeah, if we can get work on getting emails this week, then we can keep people up to date. Yes. <laughs> the next men's study is going to be Saturday, June 4th, here at 9. So not this next Saturday, but the Saturday after. Saturday, June 4th. So we just had one yesterday. It was good. Um, the next youth night is this Thursday here at the house. So. And then the potluck is the 29th. Is that right? Yes. So that would be next yes, Sunday? Next week. Next Sunday? Yep. Okay. Potluck next Sunday <laughs> after service here at the house. So. Well, it was June. <laughs> I thought you changed it. <laughs> well, does it need it? Does it need a change from June? I thought you said we couldn't do it on that June. Yes, we did. Yes, correct. It was. I thought because you we'll put it back to where it was. Okay, that was good. Moving on. Moving on. Um, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all the ways that you guide and provide for us. I thank you for um, the ways you love us. I'm thankful that you come alongside us, that you never leave us or abandon us, and that you're always with us. I ask that you would watch over us today, that you would um, speak to our hearts, and that you would just give us the message that you want us to hear. I ask you would watch over this community that we live in, um, our state and our nation, that you would bring the leadership, um, the, the government that you put in place, bring those people to come to know you, to make decisions that honor you, that reflect um, your character. I ask that you would um, watch over our community and you would bless it, that you would help us to be a light and a witness in, in the communities that we live in, and that many would come to know you in these last days, Jesus. I thank you for all you do for us each and every day. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So, so we're going through Romans, but we're going to take a little detour, and we're going to talk through the armor of God. This came up last week when we talked about Ephesians chapter 6. Um, about where the battle is. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against um, the principalities of this world. So, so we'll pick it up in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. And that's where we're mostly going to be today. Um, we're going to be all throughout the Bible, but it's going to be coming back. We'll go Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 today. So, but we're going to jump around lots of places you don't necessarily have to go there it'll be up on the screen if you take notes it's a lot of times just a good idea to write down the the verses the other verses we're talking about um, 
in like a brief description is usually how I do it. But um, we'll start here in Ephesians 6.10. So finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of the wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist on the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be alert with all the perseverance and every request for all the saints. So that's what we're going to go through today. Um, We'll break this apart and and talk through what does this mean. And, And I think the best way to talk about what something means in the Bible is to where else does it say something like this? in the Bible and and let the Bible interpret the Bible. Let God explain himself more thoroughly to us throughout the whole counsel of his word. Um, So there'll be a lot of bouncing around. You don't have to go to all the verses. They'll be up on the screen. Um, But just starting in these first two verses, you know, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Um, So we're told to be strong in the Lord, not in our own strength, but in his strength, in his might. There's power in his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power um, in the work that he did on the cross. There's power in the blood that he shed. Um, There's power in the gospel message. There's not power in us. Um, The only good that we have in us is is the work that Jesus has done in our lives. Um, But the power is is God's power. It's his might. And that we're to trust in that, um, that he is who he says he is, that... um, because of his power, we can resist um, sin. Um, you think about your life before Jesus, you know, were you able to resist temptation and sin? And the answer is no. You know, the Bible says we were a slave to sin, which we can all relate to. Um, but now that we live in Jesus, he is more powerful than that sin. Um, and then we're told to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Not stand firm against the devil. Um, he's a deceiver, he's a liar, he's an accuser of us. Sometimes his accusations are accurate, and sometimes they're lies that he makes up. Um, the best way I've heard it explained is, is kind of like the movie The Wizard of Oz. You know, you get to the, the end of The Wizard of Oz, and they go behind the curtain, they say, you're the one that caused all this, you're the one that did all this, and that's what it's going to be like with Satan. That he's, we're going to look at him and say, you're the one that did all this, made all this loud noise and, and all these lies and deceit and caused all this trouble. 
you know, you're, you're not very powerful. You're not mighty. You're, you're not anything special, you know, just like you see in the Wizard of Oz. That's how it's going to be. And so the only power that he really has is the power that we give him when we believe him, when we believe his lies of who he says we are. Um, and that's really what we want to talk about today. You know, who are we in God? Who does God say we are? And, and then not believing the lies that the enemy says we are. So I'm going to go to Romans 13, 12. Um, you don't have to go there. You can if you want, but we're going to bounce around quite a bit. Um, but ultimately, we're always coming back through what we read here in Ephesians. So, Romans thirteen twelve, The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let's rid ourselves of the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let's behave properly as in the day, not carousing in drunkenness and sexual promiscuity, in debauchery, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. So our covering is Jesus. Our armor is Jesus. He's more powerful um, than anything in the world. Anything that the world throws at us. That when we're in him, we're safe. Um, Jesus said in John fourteen six that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. Um, he is our everything. He's our protector. He's our guider. He is um, our savior. And when we're in him, when we're walking with him, we put on that, um, that armor, that protection that he covers us. Um, remember, he's the one that intercedes for us. We went over this a couple of weeks ago. While Satan is in heaven accusing us, some justly, some unjustly, Jesus is up there interceding for us, pleading with the Father for us. He's our defense attorney. You know, some of Satan's accusations against us are correct, and we're supposed to ask for forgiveness for where we've fallen short for our sins. But some of his accusations are not correct. They're lies. And Jesus is up there interceding for us, um, pleading our case. So I'm going to jump over to Romans 10.9, because this is an important thing. This is one of the areas I think that the, the enemy tries to to, to lie to us, to deceive us, um, is in our salvation and who we are in Christ. And our salvation is, is simple, and it, and it comes down to this verse, Romans ten nine, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period. End of story. If you believe that Jesus is God, you're saved. That's it. There is no... If you believe in Jesus and you continue living rightly, you never make a mistake, you'll be saved. If you believe in Jesus and you got baptized in this certain church, you'll be saved. If you believe in Jesus and whatever else, no, none of that's true. Jesus plus nothing else equals salvation. It makes it very clear right here. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved, period, end of story. Nothing else. No additions. This is all it takes. And it sounds too simple, too good to be true, but it's not. God's word makes it very clear. And God is a man of his word. He never lies. He never deceives us. He never misleads us. So if you believe that Jesus is God and that he died for your sins, that he rose again and is at the right hand of the Father, 
you are saved. Period. End of story. So I'm going to jump over to 2 Corinthians 5.17. So, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So, when we are in Christ, what that means is when we believe in Jesus, when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Our old life is gone. It's not who we are anymore. We once lived this way. We repented, and now we live the opposite way. We live a life for Jesus. We once walked away from him, and now we walk with him. There's only two paths. There's no, God makes it very clear, there's no middle ground, no, I'm a good person. It's you're either for God or you're against God. And we're either walking with Jesus or we're walking against him. In my life before Jesus, I was walking against him, walking away from him. And I realized my need for him, asked him into my life, and turned and walked the other way. And that's how it is for all of us. The past is gone. Our old life is gone. Let it go. If you've asked for forgiveness for the things you've done in your past, trust God in his word. In Psalms, he makes it very clear. He casts our sins as far away as the east is from the west. And what that means is that he never brings it up again. He wipes it clear of our record. Um, It's not like the forgiveness when we forgive someone, when they make us mad enough, I'm probably going to bring it up again. You know, when Shannon makes me mad, I'm going to bring this up again. No, when God forgives us, he forgives us. He never brings it up again. We kind of went over this, you know, with Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith, that God recalls these people as being in right standing with him. And he doesn't bring up their past like Sarah who doubted God when he said that she would have a a child at old age, she laughed. When I read in the New Testament in Hebrews, that's not how it was. He he said that she believed in faith. And does that mean that the Old Testament wasn't true? No, that means that God really did wipe it clean from the record. He removed it from her. And we need to remove it too. But that's one of the ways that the enemy lies to us. You can't really be forgiven for that. Do you remember what you did? Do you remember this? And that's an attack from the enemy. Um, And it comes to all of us. Um, But it's our choice to say, no, not today, Satan. I don't believe your lies. Um, I don't believe that I can ever lose my salvation. I don't believe that I am that person anymore. I'm a new creation. I believe what God says I am. That I'm loved. I'm chosen. That I'm his. His child. I'm going to jump over to John 1027. I think the salvation one is a big one, and lots of people, Christians, I think, struggle with this. You know, well, am I really saved? Am I really saved? Well, when you ask Jesus into your life, He doesn't leave you, He never walks away from you, He never abandons you. The Bible makes that very clear. Um, and, and these are some verses that that kind of reaffirm that. So John ten twenty seven. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hands. The father and I are one. So he makes it very clear that Jesus gives eternal life and that we will never perish. 
So it's not something that we can lose. It's not something we can go back on. No one can take it away from us. No one can take us away from him. For God is more powerful than anyone else. Remember, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, right? Jesus is the perfect example of love. Um, Or jump over to Romans 8.38. So God makes it very clear that he's more powerful, um, that no one can snatch us away from him. Um, But then some people still question, well, what if I walk away? What if I live a sinful life? Um, you know, what if I don't want to believe anymore? Um, and, and I think God makes it clear here in Romans eight thirty eight and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So nothing. I mean, he pretty much covers the whole list. And if anyone thinks that, well, I can walk away from my salvation or, or if I begin to sin again, I've lost my salvation. But it says, nor any other created things. We're created things. We cannot walk away from our salvation. We cannot lose it. Um, Jesus doesn't come into our lives. And then when we fall short, leave us. That doesn't happen. Um, and if you want more confirmation of this, I would say go back to the Old Testament and look at King David and his affair with Bathsheba, and he murdered her husband. At that point, did he lose his salvation? Because before then, he was known as a man of God, a man after God's own heart. And in the Psalms, when he writes you know, what's on his heart after he's conf- confessed his sin and asked God to forgive him, He asked God, return to me the joy of my salvation. Not return to me my salvation, because he never lost it. Return to him the joy of his salvation. So salvation is not something that comes and goes. Um, It's not a feeling that, you know, while I feel saved, I, I feel close to God at this point. No, he comes into our lives and he never leaves us. And and that's one of the most important things that we have to understand. That's one of the ways that the enemy attacks us constantly. You can't be good enough. You really can't be saved. He really can't forgive you for all those things you did. Um, But we're told to stand firm. Stand firm in the salvation that Jesus gives us. Um, That's what God tells us to do. We're to stand firm. Stand firm in faith. Um, So back to Ephesians. Here in 6.12. So our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So right here, God makes it clear, the battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against a people group. We're not to to take our spiritual Christianity and, and go argue with other people. No, we're to love God first, love our neighbors. Um, but the battle is a spiritual battle um, and that there's going to be attacks from the enemy constantly. And I think those attacks mostly come in our thought lives, you know, telling us who we aren't, um, telling us just different lies in our head. Um, and I think the enemy also wants to divide us. You know, we're not to battle against flesh and blood, it says. 
but that's what the enemy wants to do. Think of all the ways the enemy divides us politically. Can we be any more sharply divided than with politics, um, with different things in life? You know, just recently, look at the the thing through COVID, masks and no masks, and how sharply divided that was. Vaccines, no vaccines, how sharply divided that was. You know, But God tells us not to go to war, a battle against flesh and blood, not to be divided um, against others. You know, my opinion really honestly is worthless. <laughs> so God's word is the only thing that matters. And if I'm worried about, I need to go out and tell other people my opinion on social media or on this platform or that platform, well, I'm going against God's word, to be quite honest, because I'm taking the battle and I'm going against flesh and blood where God says, that's not where it's at. The battle is against the, the principalities of the unseen world. Um, it says here, the wicked forces, the forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that, the, that Satan and his, his demons, who are all fallen angels, um, are, is a spiritual battle. There's a spirit realm, and, and that's where the battle really lies. Um, and, and that battle for us is fought with prayer. It's fought through God's word knowing what God's word is, standing firm in God's word. Um, but ultimately, it's in our own lives. Do we love God first with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength? And do we love our neighbors? And those are the two commandments. Jesus said, if you follow those two, you've completed the whole law. And do we do that? And, and that's not an easy question to to ask ourselves and that's not an easy evaluation to make many times i get frustrated with many people in this world and every single time i am in the wrong even if i'm right by the letter of the law of this world i'm still wrong when my anger towards them or my frustration with them because i'm not loving them um, one of the best ways i've ever heard it explained is you're at a party and you have one of your dear friends walk in, and what do you do? You want to go up and you want to see them, give them a hug, how are you? <clears throat> now you're at a party and your enemy walks in. We're told to love our enemies. So when our enemy walks in, what do we do? Oh, well, I just won't talk to them. You know, I'll avoid them. You know, that way I'm not being mean to them. No, that's not what we're told to do. That's not being absence of conflict is not love. Loving them would be like the first one, going up, excited to see them. Yes, that's exactly what we're told to do. And we're told to pray for our enemies. And what happens when we pray for our enemies? God changes our hearts. And ultimately, God changes those situations. You know, many times in my life have I had someone that I would say is definitely an enemy, always in conflict with them. And when I pray for God to bless them, I've changed my mind. Okay, God, I'm not going to live this way of being mad at them anymore. I'm going to change my mind and, and trust your word. And if I begin to pray for them, one, God changes my heart. But every single time, he has changed the situation. He has changed the situation to where now there's an opportunity for me to befriend them, for me no longer to be their enemies. And it's not easy, but it's a choice. Love is a choice. We've been over that many times. It's not a feeling that we have. It's a choice that we make. It's that sacrificial love. The love that Jesus showed us on the cross by sacrificing himself for us. That's the same love. Deny myself. Pick up my cross, follow Jesus. Deny myself, love my enemies, follow Jesus. So, 
So to continue on in Ephesians here, um, 6.13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Um, So right here at the end of of 13, or I guess in the middle of 13, resist on the evil day. The literal translation for that is resist the day, the evil. Um, So it's not one particular day or a day to come. It's think of all the different things. And evil is also translated um, bad or or troubled times or or different things that come our way. You know, we're all going to struggle, but when we stand firm in God's word, when we pray and ask Him to help us, we're able to resist those evil thoughts, those evil temptations. Um, and walk through those troubled times. Um, Bad things happen to us on a regular basis. So regularly having on the armor of God is what's important. Um, Regularly making sure that I'm looking to him, spending time with God every day in prayer, spending time in his word, um, knowing more about who he is, trusting in him. When the the conflict arises in my own mind that um, the enemy says I'm this, but God says I'm this, do I believe God or do I give the enemy the power? Um, and here we're told to belt yourself with truth. That was probably one of the best things about becoming a Christian was I was no longer looking over my shoulder. I was no longer waiting for someone to come up, you know, my past to catch up to me. No, I, there was no more lies. There was no more deceit. There was no more of that. You know, I gave all that up. That was my old life, my new life was in Christ, um, walking with him, not perfect by any means, but far from where I came from. And that's how it is for all of us. Our new life isn't perfect, but it's far from who we once were. Um, And this righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness is in right living with God. You know, we're living rightly with him. We're doing what he's asked us to do. Not perfectly. We're all going to fall short still and make mistakes. Being quick to ask for forgiveness and moving forward and standing firm in, in what he says we are. So, to continue on to, to Ephesians 6.15. So having strapped your feet in the preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, I think another verse that, that relates directly to this is in Isaiah 52.7. Um, and I'll read it out of the New Living Translation. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. Um, The gospel is the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the message that that we're to go out and send. Um, And that that message brings peace, but not a worldly peace, not an absence of conflict peace, um, but a peace that we can walk through troubled times um, with that sense of peace, with that peace that God gives us, that we can go through very difficult times in our lives. Um, I think of 
not necessarily here, but I think of other countries and the Christians that are persecuted to the point of death still to this day for their faith. You know, how can they walk through that in peace? How can they walk through that? And, and you can see not terrified, um, but, but strengthened and encouraged. And, and that's the peace that God offers. Not an absence of conflict, but a peace through the conflict. Um, and it's a, a very big difference. So, but we're also told to, to go out and give the gospel, you know, strap the gospel of peace. Beautiful are the feet of the messengers who go out, who bring the good news. We're, we're told to be not on our heels, but on our toes, advancing the gospel, walking forward, letting people know about Jesus. Um, and could that be that we're just walking up to people? Sure, that could be. But I think for most of us in my life, that's more, how do I live my life? Am I a light and a witness? Am I an example? And then when the conversation leads to my faith or to Jesus, do I share the gospel with them? Do I share the good news? You know, you seem different, Matt. You don't seem like you used to. What's different? Well, the difference is Jesus came into my life. He changed my life forever. This is my story. I don't need to be an expert in the Bible to explain what he did for me and what he can do for others. And that's powerful. And that's the gospel message going forward. So continue on in Ephesians 6.16. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And this one is the important one. This is where I think we get attacked the most. And this attack, I think, mostly comes in our mind. I think it can come in situations that we're in. Um, things that come up that are out of our control. Um, when I go through a tough time, I always have to ask myself, God, is this me? Is this because of some sin that I'm in? Um, and if it is, I need to be quick to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> and if it's not, then I need to recognize it as this spiritual attack. Um, the enemy is constantly launching these fiery arrows at us. Um, most of the time through our, our thought lives, you know, you can't be forgiven for all that you've done. You're not really his child. You know, you can't be loved after, after what you've done, after you, your history, after your past. Look at what you've done, who you are. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You have the wrong voice. God can't use you. Um, if these people, if these other people in this church knew who you really were, they wouldn't let you be here. They wouldn't want to talk to you. They wouldn't be your friend. The people, these other people at this church are so much better than you. Um, Whatever the attacks are, it seems like they're constantly coming. And for each person, they're different. But you know the lies that the enemy tells you. In your own mind, you know who he says you are, and it's not true. Um, and you need to recognize that. Recognize that, and, and no matter who you are, whether you're a new believer or you've been a pastor of a church for 40 years, these are some of the, the same attacks. I've been reading a book here recently uh, about this pastor and and gone on to do many things and in the middle of his ministry I guess this all of a sudden his thought life goes crazy you know you know sure didn't really be a pastor you you married the wrong woman you really shouldn't be married to her either you know all these different things in his life um, and he finally recognized them that this was a spiritual attack that, that these were lies from the enemy and they constantly launch them over um, but I believe that the most important thing is putting on this We'll read about the, the helmet of salvation. 
Now, what does the helmet of salvation mean? Well, it's, it's a protection. You can't lose your salvation. There is no death blows. There's no headshots, you know, like in the gaming world. But you have the breastplate of righteousness, and we can choose the breastplate of faith. We can choose to live in right living with God. We can choose to believe God. You know, and those attacks don't kill us, don't mortally wound us, but they definitely hurt. And we can choose to let them hurt us, or we can choose to recognize them for what they are, that they're lies, and we don't believe them. I'm going to jump over to 1 Peter 5.8. So 1 Peter 5.8. Stay alert, watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. So I think the important things that I take out of here is that the devil walks around, prowls around like a roaring lion. Like, not a roaring lion, but like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And it's our choice to give him that power to believe him or to believe God. He really has no power. His power was defeated. He has no teeth, no claws. He never really did. And if he ever did have any power, that was definitely taken away on the cross. Jesus defeated sin and death on the cross. Um, and the other thing I take away from this is that your brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world and here in your community, here in your own church, are going through the same thing. I think oftentimes we think I'm alone, I'm the only one going through this, and that's not true. That's what the enemy wants to do, divide us. And that's not what we're to do. We're to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, pray for those um, around the world and pray for each other to, to be encouraged in Bible studies, to be encouraged um, just by phone calls, having someone that you can call and pray for you. Um, you know, there's two people in my life that I can call and I know that every conversation is going to end in prayer. And, and that's very encouraging. And I need that. And we all need that. We're not alone in this battle. And oftentimes the enemy makes us think we are. And it's another lie, another attack from the enemy. That's not true. God makes it very clear that all the brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of struggles that we are. We are not alone. Um, so don't believe the enemy when he says that you are. Um, that you're the only one that struggles with this. You're the only one going through this. You know, you can't overcome this. Don't buy into it. It's not true. So remember Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Iron strengthens iron. Iron sharpens iron as people sharpen each other. We sharpen each other. We um, are encouraged to get together as believers, um, to encourage each other in love and good deeds, to encourage each other to do good, um, to strengthen each other. It's important. We need each other. We are the body of Christ. We each have a role and a purpose in this. Um, and it's important that we stand firm on God's word. That God's word is the foundation in our lives. That's very, very important. God makes it clear who we are. He gives, gives it to us in his word. And do I believe God in his word? Or do I believe the lies from the enemy? 
So back to Ephesians 6.17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view. Be alert with all perseverance and every request for all saints. So the helmet of salvation, we talked about that a little bit earlier. How important that is. Why is, the, why is salvation a helmet? Well, your helmet is protecting you. You have a helmet on over your head and the enemy's firing these fiery arrows at you. It can't penetrate your helmet. You know, God's protection, God, another way of God making it clear, you cannot lose your salvation. The enemy cannot take you away from God. The enemy cannot kill you. You are spiritually, you were born once, and then you were born a second time. You were born again spiritually. Jesus made that clear to Nicodemus of how that worked. Um, and that second birth, that's your birth for all of eternity. Um, and that's why you have the helmet of salvation. The enemy cannot take away your salvation. And I think the enemy wants to, to deceive you and think that you can, that any moment you could lose your salvation, any moment you screw up and God's going to see you later, strike you with a lightning bolt, not true. That's the enemy lying to you. Um, oftentimes I hear people say, well, I, I feel saved when I do this or, or that. Um, a lot of times with worship, I feel saved when I'm worshiped because I, I feel close to God. Well, no, you, you're always saved. You, you never lost it. Don't let the enemy deceive you into thinking that you can or that you did at any point in time. And go back. I would encourage you. Go read through what David and Bathsheba. Um, go read through what David did. And then he never loses his salvation. He lost the joy of it, but he never lost his salvation. So, And pray always. You know, Paul tells us many times to pray always. Um, constantly be in prayer um, and pray for others. We talked about this yesterday at the men's group. You know, it's so important to be praying for others because most of our sins in our lives are selfish sins. It's focused on us, who we are. And when we start praying for other people, now we've taken it off of us. And really our eyes should be on God. God first, then others, then ourselves. You know, am I, am I focused on God and what he's doing in my life? Am I concerned for others, for my family, for my friends, for my neighbors? And then am I concerned for myself? I'm kind of the, the last on the list. It's so easy for us to get self-absorbed and worried about me. Oh, this is how I feel. Remember, our feelings can lead us astray. And many times they do. Not all of them, but many times they do. You know, I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like loving my enemy today. I don't feel like worshiping God today. I don't feel like going to that Bible study today. I have all kinds of excuses. It's too far away. It's too late. It's too this, too that. Well, those are our feelings, and those aren't correct feelings. The things that lead us away from God are not correct. Um, and so don't be mistaken. Don't be misled by your feelings. Your feelings oftentimes come as thoughts in your head, um, and we've been over this. Those thoughts can come from the enemy that can deceive you, can derail you, um, can get you out of position. Um, God has you positioned where he's at for a reason. You know, we were saved and we were born into this time and this place, into this family, into this community. God has us where he wants us. And sometimes he calls us to move. Um, but he makes that very clear to us. And he gives us what we need, um, patience and perseverance um, to see it through. So a couple other verses here as we wrap up. Um, 
One is First Thessalonians 5, 8, and 9. So, but since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this hope, the, the helmet of the hope of salvation, you know, we've been over this. God's hope is not like our hope, our worldly hope. God takes the world and flips it upside down. Um, God's hope is a guarantee. It's not like a, a worldly hope. I bought a lottery ticket and I hope I win. No, that's not the hope. The hope that God gives us is this guarantee. This guarantee that what he says will come true. So I think a better way to to interpret that is the guarantee of salvation. Put on the helmet of the guarantee of your salvation. Cannot be lost. Don't let that be something that the enemy takes away from you. While the enemy can't take away your salvation, he absolutely can take away your effectiveness, you being a light and a witness to others, you serving where you're supposed to. Um, We kind of talked about this yesterday, you know, at times we want to, it's easier to be isolated and be away from people. But each person in that Bible study yesterday all brought something to the study. And had they not been there, had they not been a part of the body at that time, the others wouldn't have been, um, wouldn't have received what they had to say. Um, and it all spoke to us in different ways. And that's what it is. It's not, you know, I have an official job or a title in the church. It's just being part of the church, encouraging other believers loving other believers. Um, so, um, and the other thing here, God did not create us, is the, God has not destined us for wrath. He did not create us for wrath. He did not create us for his punishment. He did not create us for hell. The Bible makes that very clear in many other places. Um, but he created us for obtaining salvation through Jesus. It's his desire that all would come to know Jesus, that all would repent of their sins and receive salvation. That's why he created us. He created us because he loves us. He wants a relationship with us. That's all it is. That's all prayer is, is a a conversation with God, a phone call home to your dad um, to tell him how your day was. Not that he doesn't already know, but he wants to hear it from us. You know, he wants to hear it from his kids. Not a text message, but a a phone call. So, he created us, he saved us, that's his will for us. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives. He doesn't need us, but he wants to use us. Um, And the question is, are we willing, able, and available? And that's what it comes down to. Are we willing, able, and available to be used by God? Do we believe God or do we believe the enemy? Um, It's not an easy question. And it's not an easy thing to walk through. Um, many times in my life, even recently, I fall short of this. And I believe who the enemy says I am, which is lies. And it makes me ineffective. It makes me um, not as bold, um, not as compassionate, not as loving as I should be when I'm walking with Christ and believing in faith who he says I am. So with all that, let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for who you are, for who you say we are. I'm thankful for our salvation, 
I'm thankful for the way you created each one of us, the way you love us, the way you designed us. Lord, I just ask that you would meet us right where we're at. You know our thoughts, you know our desires, you know what we're going through, that you would guide us through this life, that you would draw us closer to you, that your spirit would speak loudly in our voice, in, the, in our heads, that you would um, clearly guide us. I just ask that you would help us to be a light and a witness in our communities, in the lives that we live, that you would open up the doors for us to share the good news of your son Jesus with others. Um, through your word, through our testimony, through the work that you've done in our lives. Strengthen us, um, empower us, draw us closer to you in these end times. Encourage us um, with other believers, with other men and women that love you, that know you, that are walking with you. Bring those people into our lives and encourage us each and every day. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray all these things. Amen. So, any questions? Comments? I think most people do, and I think that's a definite attack from the enemy. That, because it sounds too good to be true. All I have to do is believe, and I'll be saved. And there's nothing I can do to get away from it. And I struggled with that for a long time, um, especially early on. And it got to the the story of David and Bathsheba. And when I studied through that and read through that, so here this mighty man of God is doing all these great things of God, known as a man after God's own heart decides not to go to war when he should have and stay home and have this affair with Bathsheba, get himself, get her pregnant, get all caught up in that and decide, well, the best way out of this is I'm going to kill her husband, conspire to kill her husband, send him back to the front lines of the battlefield. You know, well, before that, he, he brings her, brings him home, tries to get him to sleep with her so that it'll look like he, the baby's from him. He won't do it. You know, if my men are out in the field sleeping, I'm not sleeping in a comfortable bed. I'm going to sleep outside too. You know, a very honorable man. David gives him the, the death sentence. Okay, send this man to the front lines. And when the enemy starts attacking, draw back. So he is killed. He sends this man with his own death sentence and he carries it out. At any point, he's such an honorable man, he doesn't even read the letter. He just, oh, this is a message from the king. Here you go. Gets killed. And, and through all that, he never lost his salvation. My question was, what if David had died during that point in his life? Where would he end up? And the, question, the answer is, he would end up in heaven. And the way we know that is, is through the Psalms. When David says, don't return to me salvation, return to me the joy of my salvation. And, and it's, it is, it's very hard to think that, I, can I really walk through this life and not screw it up, not displease God? Well, yeah, I'm going to displease God constantly. <laughs> But if I ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive every time. And he wipes the slate clean. And he makes that clear many times. And that's another hard one to, to receive too. Am I really forgiven? Because I, I, keep, I keep having it come up in my head. But I remember being saved. And I mean, this was early on. And all kinds of like things I had totally forgotten about start flooding back into my mind. You know, do you remember when you did this? Do you remember when you did this? And okay, 
So I started asking forgiveness for them one by one. But then they keep coming back up and back up. And at that point was about the time that Dave was teaching through spiritual attacks, which there's no coincidence. God knew that. And, and he, the way he taught it was, you know, ask for forgiveness once, um, recognize spiritual attacks. And when they come, have three people picked out that you pray for, you know, for their salvation, you know. And I still have those three people. And when those attacks come and I recognize them, just right away, God, please save Charlie Turner, Matt Myers, and Paul Fonte. That's it. Those are my three people that I pray for to this day. So, and usually those thoughts go away fairly quickly because I've taken, it is a battle. We, we just went through that and it's not a battle against other people. It's a battle, a spiritual battle. So I've taken the enemy's attack and I've turned it around. I've used it as a reminder for the salvation of these three people because those three people, the enemy does not want saved. Satan does not want those people saved. They're doing his work, living their lives, fulfilling what he wants. And that's what, and so I've just turned it around on him. So every time he attacks me, it, and it's, for my life, it's worked well. And I think for many lives, it works well. And it's just a reminder, you know, okay, this, this is a lie from the enemy, but I'm going to ask for the salvation of these three people. I'm going to use this as a reminder. But it still doesn't make it easy. <laughs> There's lots of things that we did in our past, and it always comes up. But I would encourage you to attack it with prayer and attack it with the salvation of others. Take your mind, eyes off yourself and put it on others. So I highlighted that because I think that is for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's against the rule, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness. Oh, yeah. So, so correct me. I'm not I'm trying to understand. Okay, we're all... We're all children of God, and God has given us a free will to accept his gift of salvation. And until we do, we're all, even when we, like, so it was hard for me to get through my fifth goal. Um, even if, like, I'm, I'm looking at all the things I've done in the past and all the things that we've all walked through and the crazy life we might have lived. And um, you know who Jesus is. You know <clears throat> he's there, but it's almost like until you accept him, accept the gift. And who doesn't want to accept a gift? <laughs> like we've been taught that. It's like, why are we, we have, like, who who doesn't want a gift? Nah, I don't, like, yeah. like, I don't want it. So, I think for, it's interesting because even when we, you, I, when you're not walking, when I wasn't walking with Jesus, there was some incredible things going on that I'm like, dang. Like, I wish I would have lived a little differently, but he, he walked me through things that I'm like, I, I, don't even, I, don't think, I don't think I was saved at that time. If you, if you want my opinion. And they, yeah, and that's him that's, constantly pushing into your life. You know, here I am. Turn yeah. to me, turn to me. How many times did you have a, the opportunity to turn to him throughout your life? And it's many times. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's interesting you brought that up because there's, there's things that I've done. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness again on that one because I've been like hammered on one end over here because that's what I did like 20 years ago. And I'm like, he's still, he's still working on me there. But I think <coughs> learning that that's, that's, um, that's the enemy attacking me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, 
And it's pretty constant. There's a few things in my life I'm like, well, I think yeah, that's there where, it is again. I think that's where it's just like you really can't be forgiven. You can't be forgiven. That's what keeps coming up into my head, even though, yeah. you know, you read and you know, but then it's like, <laughs> but not really. Because what you did, and I mean, I think it's really, I mean, sometimes I do, I go back to David, I go back to, you know, look at all of these matriarchs that did things that were horrible. But it's just, but I don't know what it is, it's just, but you're still not good enough. (laughs) And maybe we need to do a study, but the Bible makes it clear there's only one unforgivable sin, and that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy has many definitions, but one of the definitions is the way I look at it is you're calling God a liar. So the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of our sins, but the first thing he convicts us of is our unbelief in Jesus. You know, that's the first thing that he shows us. And when we get saved, he doesn't clean us all up at once. You know, it's not an instant thing. It takes time and it's a process. But the first thing he convicts us on is our unbelief. And so he's pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Savior. And at that point, we can either believe, yes, in Jesus, or we can not believe. And what we're doing is we're saying, no, Holy Spirit, you're a liar. You are, you're telling me this, and you're lying. That's not true. God, Jesus is not God. I can't have salvation through him. And that is the only unforgivable sin, that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, does it go deeper than that? Yes, it goes deeper than that. And you read places like God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But before God hardened Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. You know, God gave many times, many you know, plagues that he sent. I am God. Look at me. I am all powerful. Turn to me. Let my people go. Um, and Pharaoh caught, nope, I'm not going to. Nope, I'm not going to. And finally, God gave him the desire of his own heart. And that's what God does for all of us. We can choose to live a life separate from God now. And if we want that, and, and we end this life, he'll give that to us for all of eternity. He just gives us what we want, what the desires of our heart are. And that's, if we want to be separate from him, well, we'll be separate from him for all of eternity. But that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, that's the only unforgivable sin the Bible says. The but only one. That, right? Okay, so by questioning your unforgiveness, is that saying I don't believe? No. Because I don't believe I don't believe. I just... No, because you believe in Jesus, but yes. you're struggling. So, uh, doubting Thomas would be one. He gets a bad reputation for being doubting Thomas, right? So does God... Uh, so Jesus comes back. He's he died on the cross. He comes back to earth. Bodily resurrection, which is important. We talked about this. And he, he visits his disciples. And he comes into the room, and, and Thomas isn't there. And so the other disciples are telling Thomas about it. You know, hey, he came. He's back. He's alive. We saw him. You know, he, he ate with us while Thomas says, I'll believe it when I can put my fingers in his hands and put my hand in his side, then I'll believe it. And then Jesus comes back again and visits him again. And this time Thomas is with him and Jesus says, okay, Thomas, here I am. Put your, put your fingers in my hands, put your hand in my side, you know. And he says, no, no, I, I believe. And he confesses, yes, you are God. And he says, blessed are you who believe because you've seen and even more blessed are those who believe because they haven't seen. But he doesn't, he doesn't um, doesn't rebuke Thomas. You know, oh, how could you be so doubting and unbelieving? No, come receive. Here's the truth, and he Thomas believed. You know, and that's the important thing. You know, it's, everyone has doubts and questions and fears, 
but when we finally God makes the truth clear to us, well, do we believe God and His Word? Do we believe the truth He's given us, or or do we still believe in the enemy? And if you believe in the enemy, does that mean you're not saved? No, no. That goes back to the whole first thing. It it wasn't salvation and you got all cleaned up. It was you were saved right where you're at, mess and all. You got saved. You believed in Jesus, and there's nothing that can take that away. And the Bible makes that very, very clear. Many different places. Um, you just can't. You can't lose that. That God never doesn't come into your life and then walk away. Doesn't leave. And it's that's I think the first step is understanding that and believing that those attacks are from the enemy, and that's not true. You never lose that. And then after that, it's working on the other lies of the enemy. In my opinion. Me too is that what you just and I never understood it was in Psalms where David asked for the joy to come back into, and that for me, I think, is that the salvation is there, it's kind of the joy of the salvation. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's just praying that just and God makes it clear too. The word to pray, and it's not a one-time prayer for something. We're to pray continually. You know, we're to constantly be in prayer. But we're to ask for things over and over again. God, please give me back the joy of my salvation. Please give me joy of my salvation. You know, over. You know, every day should we be praying that? Yes, yes, absolutely. Any other questions, comments, prayer requests? I have two prayer requests. Well, I have a few prayer requests. So, I think we should be praying as a church um, to support another church in Uganda or the South Sudan. Just be praying that God would open up those doors and that He would bring us the church that's meant for us to come alongside and support. Um, and then lately, um, it's just been on my heart to pray for the Elbert County Sheriff's Department. So, I think kind of what we just studied the, is a spiritual battle out there of, of good and evil um, for sure in our own minds but in this world too and and I think that one I think they're on my heart just because of where our, where we're at in our location but I think for all police departments they get to see the worst of the worst of that spiritual battle they get to see some of the most awful things so so those are my prayer requests pray for a church that we can come alongside um, over in Uganda, the South Sudan, and then pray for the Elbert County Sheriff's Department. So, and then as far as doubts and, and fears go, I mean, the enemy attacks us all. Mine recently are more, you can't do this. You, you can't, you can't start a church. You can't, you're not the right person for this. And God made it clear, you know, through clear signs that this is what we're supposed to do. And so I have the choice. I can believe God or I can believe the enemy. So, Those attacks come to us all. So, okay, we'll sing one last song. <laughs>